Hello, it's Monday, February 26th, and welcome to episode 302 of Fault Lines, the National Security Institute's podcast that gets you quickly up to speed three times a week on the national security and foreign policy debates shaking up America. I'm NSI Senior Fellow Morgan Vigna, and I'm joined today by NSI Founder and Executive Director Jamil Jaffer, NSI Deputy Executive Director Jessica Jones, and Senior Fellow Wester Munson. Today, we're taking a look at Polish Foreign Minister Radoslaw Sikorski, who has been on quite the world this past week. On Friday, he delivered a blistering takedown of the Russian ambassador to the UN during a UN Security Council session. Sikorski summarily dismantled each false allegation in response to the Russian perm rep's remarks. Also on Friday, Sikorski had some tough words for the United States. In a Bloomberg interview, Sikorski cautioned that if the U.S. supplemental for Ukraine doesn't pass Congress, even with the president's backing and U.S. allies are left in the lurch, this will have profound consequences on U.S. global leadership. He went so far as to warn that some countries will start hedging and others will consider building their own nuclear programs. Jess, Sikorsky, as Polish foreign minister, has some legitimacy here. Poland is not geographically blessed in that it is right on Russia's border. Poland will spend over 4% of its GDP on defense in 2024. Does he have a point? Do we think this is going to change U.S. policy? I mean, he was on a whirlwind. He did a number of interviews over the weekend as well. And making the case for the supplemental, making the case for continued U.S. support to Ukraine. You know, I, I thought it was really interesting. He was pointing out European allies as as, you know, peace and security providers, not just takers, which is, you know, kind of a grievance here in the U.S. Um, and talking about showing, you know, European allies showing up after 9-11. Because I think, you know, here in the in the, the Beltway bubble, we talk a lot about how the international order built by the U.S. and our alliance system, you know, benefits us. I don't think that story plays out as much with the American public anymore and the average voter, right? Like that, that, that linkage is kind of lost, I think. We're a little, you know, ways away from World War II. So he needs to make new arguments, which I think he's doing. Um, you know, I thought it was interesting. He, I can't remember which interview, but he said um, to Speaker Johnson, making a, a direct plea to let the supplemental, you know, go to a vote, let democracy operate. And I think, you know, that that makes a lot of sense for Congress. But I, you know, I'm wondering in the context of all these conversations we have here on the show, whether he should be making a plea to also President Biden to play up and describe and, and argue for continued support to Ukraine for with the average voter, right? I, th- I think he, he needs to be talking to more than just Speaker Johnson. Mm-hmm. So, Jamil, is Sikorsky saying the quiet part out loud here? I mean, aren't U.S. allies already hedging? I mean, we've seen this play out uh, particularly uh, in the past couple of years in, in, in the Middle East. I mean, Saudi Arabia had uh, this, entered into this agreement with China to sort of somehow get their relations with Iran back on track. So is, is this anything new? What's, what's different here? Well, I mean, obviously what's new and different here is it's Poland. It's not just any other country. It's one of our strongest allies um, uh, in NATO um, and in Europe. But the problem, of course, is that this is just another, you know, brick in a long wall of stupid U.S. actions, right? Uh, we've had uh, we've had bad decisions in Afghanistan, bad decisions on red lines in Iraq and Syria, bad decisions on allowing China to hack us, bad decisions on allowing Russia to hack us, bad decisions on Iran attacking us around the globe. We we refuse to take global leadership. And we're surprised when people are like, oh, we don't think you're going to be there for us when we need you and we're going to do our own thing. Uh, that should come as no surprise to the United States. If we want to get in the game, we've got to stop holding up the supplemental. It's barely enough money to even keep Ukraine going. We need to put a lot more into the fight for them to win, which is how we really reestablish global leadership. And it doesn't do anything any favors for our, for our friends in Taiwan or anywhere else around the globe who are wondering whether the U.S. is going to be there for them. The answer today is a resounding no. And Joe Biden can say all he, all he wants for being up there in the White House. 
he, as, as Jess points out, and Dulles pointed out on Friday, he's not going around the country fighting for this, right? If he really wanted this, this supplemental, he'd be going to fight for it. And frankly, it's a catastrophe of Republican leadership, which used to be the party of national security, because now it, this party kowtows to Donald Trump, who literally has no clue what he's doing on this issue. He has not firmly taken a position on Ukraine, but we all know where he is. Let's be serious. He doesn't support it. Everyone understands that. He needs to, he needs to get out the mix. And Congress needs to do its job because there is, by the way, a voting majority in Congress for this aid. They just need to be allowed to vote. Yeah. So let's play the, the devil's advocate here. I mean, Poland is a special case, right? I mean, they're actually paying 4% of their GDP and that's going towards defense, right? But many other, you know, al- NATO allies are, are not adhering to the Wales Pledge. They're not paying up. And many in Congress in particular sort of use this as, as a reason to, you know, be skeptical of continued U.S. assistance to Ukraine. Um, you know, if if those closest geographically to to Russia refuse to actually pay their fair share, so to speak, um, I mean, is is this enough of a reason to for Congress not to 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 really be pushing the supplemental as hard as I think we would like them to be? So, Morgan, I, I think uh, a couple of things on Sikorsky. He is, as, a, a, as an astute and ob- observer of the United States as there is in the world, he's a good friend of our country. He knows us well. Uh, he's, he's been around the block many times. He has a long-term relationship with a lot of people in D.C. And I think he's, he's kind of playing the Winston Churchill role here before World War II. Churchill said, you can count on the Americans to do the right thing after they've exhausted every other option. I feel like we're in that exhausting all the other options part right now. And maybe we need a kick in the butt from a guy like Sikorsky, who is a friend of the United States, to kind of say, hey, you guys got to wake up already. This stuff is starting to matter whether it's uh, Biden needing to have more of a campaign to promote this assistance or Congress actually having the darn vote uh, that we think will pass the House, uh, regardless of the Freedom Caucus kind of careening around all over the place on this thing. I think it's a really useful purpose he's serving here. And to, and to kind of extend the parallel to the pre-World War II, you know, we saw Tucker Carlson kind of playing this Father Coughlin role of warning against any U.S. entanglements and kind of praising our adversaries. This stuff really is lining up a lot like it was in the late 30s and maybe 1940 uh, from from the last century. So, uh, folks, it's starting to get really serious. We need to start paying attention. I don't think there's a lot of time left here. And I think Congress needs to act. The president needs to act. It's really, uh, really neither branch is distinguishing itself at the moment. And, and by the way, Les, you know, it's worth noting that both times before World War One and World War Two, when the U.S. hesitated and slow rolled it and didn't help its allies as effectively as it could have, what ended up happening? We got dragged into a bigger, much worse war that was much more costly for our public and much more costly for the American taxpayers. So this idea somehow that, that not doing the right thing now is the right answer. We've seen the show. It's happened before. Let's not repeat our I, mistakes of the past. I will say, I will disagree with you on one thing, Jamil, and, and God help me for saying something remotely positive about Trump. But I do think he's left the door open to to Congress providing some aid here. He said, make it a, make it a loan, not a grant. Fine. Let's go ahead. Let's make it a loan. Let's, uh, let's open that door. Let's run through that. Speaker Johnson, you've got your opportunity here to do the right thing. Take it and run with it. Let's go. Yeah. Call it Lend-Lease Part 2 if you have to, but let's do it. 
All right, that's a wrap. Thanks to Devlin Burney, Claude Jennings, and the NSI staff for their help in producing today's episode. Join us again on Wednesday, February 28th, for our next episode of Fault Lines. Fault Lines is now on YouTube, so check out our channel for a video of today's episode. If you like what you heard, be sure to rate, review, and subscribe. Okay.